Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome into Crown Corner as we get you ready for Colorado Rapids this weekend. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman here with you. We're on the broadcast beginning at 7 o'clock on Saturday afternoon evening. We've got plenty for you to check out on our Crown Corner podcast feed. If you missed it earlier this week, we recap what happened with Real Salt Lake. And also on Wednesday, if you haven't listened to it yet, a great interview with Charlotte FC's reserve team captain, uh, Crown Legacy's captain, David Pareba. A real great conversation to talk about uh, not only what happened uh, with Crown Legacy over the first couple of weeks, but also uh, how they are helping to support what's going on with the big club. And right now, the big club uh, needing itself a victory, uh, needing three points this weekend against the Colorado side that's come in off of its first victory of the season over Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Jess, what's your current feeling right now about uh, where the state of play is right now with Charlotte FC? Oh, tough question, Willie P, for a morning. Um, honestly, this is a really important game for us coming back at home at a place where we used to call a fortress, right? We've had a real struggle at Bank of America Stadium, and I think the fans would agree that they haven't really been able to get the performance that they would like to see from their team at home. In terms of Colorado Rapids, 1-3-3, three, and three, I think it would be very easy to overlook this opposition if we hadn't had the wake-up call against Real Salt Lake. I think we're learning now that records don't necessarily say about how much a team can hurt you. And it's also about hitting an opposition at the right or wrong time. And I feel like Colorado are coming into this one feeling very confident after their 1-0 victory at SKC, bear it being against one of the worst teams in the entire league. But it's a team that's very difficult to break down. And they have three clean sheets to their name. And Charlotte FC hasn't scored all too many goals. But on that note, nor is Colorado. So I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup. It's going to be very important that Charlotte FC, as everyone said, Bron- Bronico said in his presses, Christian Latanzo has said in his presses, that 90 minutes focus, that complete performance is absolutely imperative tomorrow. It's evaded us, definitely. And I think looking at, at the way that Real Salt Lake played in that game, they played desperate. They played like a team that needed a victory. And, and I don't know if Charlotte FC in that matchup really clearly did. And I've kind of come to this realization, and I said it on, on Friday morning on our flagship WFNZ. A lot of a lot of people have been talking about the defense, and and we've talked about it ad nauseum. And and I think they are very much apt and open to criticism as they should be. But I think a problem that's either equally as troubling or something that I've noticed is that we're not creating a lot from open play. A lot of it is from transitions and counters and as a result it has made our possession when we've had it not as meaningful and it has also made us prone to more volume of attacks the other way and also higher quality of attacks the other way because the opposition is finding better passageways to get behind us because 
while our midfield has struggled, our defense has struggled, we've also not been able to create the opportunities the other way and have the other team necessarily get themselves on their heels as much as we've been on our heels in moments this season. It's very easy to criticize defense, to criticize goalkeepers when you're conceding goals and losing. And yes, I, I think it's inexcusable to concede three goals in the nature that we did against Real Salt Lake and the defense know that. But at the end of the day, a lot of that came from gaps in our midfield. I think you have to look at the gaps that we had, the space that we have between our midfield and our defense and our forward line and our midfield. There's a lot of gaps. It doesn't feel like we're completely playing as a unit in that game. When we've played our best, we've played as a unit. We've understand our individual roles uh, on the field and we've looked like a cohesive team. In terms of chance creation, if you don't score goals, you don't win games. And I think that putting the game to bed is a phrase that I like to use a lot. And when you have momentum and when you're creating a few opportunities, you have to be able to finish those to kill off the opposition. I think Ralph Salt Lake was a team that could have been killed off if we were able to score a couple more when we had some momentum, but we weren't able to do that with the transition, with the pinched in fullbacks. You're right, Will. A lot of the time when we're going forward, we're leaving ourselves exploited to the counter-attack. We're giving up space. We're giving up opportunities, which makes oppositions look really good when they have a lot of space in and behind you. So it's been a tough one. I think it's it's a combination, right? You need your forwards to create opportunities. You need your midfielders to assist on both the defensive side of the game and the attacking side of the game. You need your defence to be switched on to not give up individual errors and to not you know, make it easier than the opposition needs to score goals. So it's very easy on paper. It's harder in reality. But I think that right now, everyone will agree. And like I said, I keep alluding to the presses because that's where you get to hear what the team's feeling. They truly understand that they haven't been able to remain focused or give a full 90-minute performance yet. Yeah, and the midfield has been kind of the big target of a lot of people. I know Brian Maurer of Top End 90 wrote a piece about it on Friday morning, and he kind of went down and, and, and broke it down with some of the fancy stats in his mind and from the data that he collected. I'm going to spoil the whole piece, but he believes that the, the trio that should be playing right now is Bronico, Jones, and Svidersky with uh, Jones kind of holding in that deep six mode, Bronico playing a little bit more high, and then, of course, uh, Svidersky acting as you know an eight or as a pseudo-10. Uh, I felt like Brant Bronica was put in a position on Saturday where he was very much out on an island. Uh, I know that he hasn't had the greatest form this year, but he didn't have a single foul in the game, which I, and I know that's not necessarily a stat you want to see a player get, but he had the third most committed fouls last year of anybody in MLS, and he was an effective player when he kept guys off the ball and was disruptive. We've talked a lot about Camille Jozviak in that role. Where, you know, He doesn't commit dumb fouls. He commits the kind of pesky fouls that get guys off the ball, get guys off their rhythm. And the problem is Brant Bronico was not able to be effective. He was chasing the ball a lot of the time in the game against Real Salt Lake because he didn't have the kind of support because of the aggressive nature of putting Swiderski and Bender on the field together, which Ben, from an offensive standpoint, great. I mean, he helped set up the Svidersky goal. I'm not saying anything bad about that performance, but part of the reason why Ben was maybe neglected or overlooked in the early part of the season is because Christian Latanzio is big on trying to make sure that you play well without the ball and you lose a little something defensively when you put Bender in there. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Jones and Bronico on the field together. I know you lose a potential sub there for a potential center back in case an emergency happens with Tuiloma or uh, with Malanda, but I think both those guys need to be on the field in order to try and make sure that Charlotte FC is at least touch perfect defensively with Bronico offering a little bit going forward as well. 
I don't think it matters about the sub in terms of the defensiveness because all that would happen is he'd slot back in and you bring a midfielder True. in to replace him. So that's not really mm -hmm. an issue in terms of DJ. Uh, I think the partnership between DJ and Bronico was when both of them looked the best. I think both Derek Jones and Brant Bronico have looked subpar when they haven't played with each other. When uh, Bronico was out, I don't think Derek Jones played as well as he could. And when uh, Derek Jones, when Bronico was without Derek Jones, I don't think he's looked as good. So it'll be interesting to see if those two are able to get back together because I think they do offer each other enough support to allow each other to thrive in their individual roles. You're right, Will. Bronico's game is being that pesky player, is being difficult to break down, is exhausting midfielders by being present. And he just hasn't been able to find the gears to do that this season, whether it's about who he's playing with, whether it's about instruction from the bench. He just hasn't looked like the same Brant Bronico. But I think what's great about Brant, and you can speak to this as well, having heard him in the press conferences, Brant Bronico seems to be extremely motivated, seems to be uh, holding himself more accountable. And I think that this is the week where we see Brant Bronico able to return back to the Brant Bronico that fans you know, fell in love with in 2022. It's very natural as players to go through phases. Uh, of your, you know, uh, phases of when you're playing well and when you're playing not. And it seems like Brown Bronico is well aware of that and wants to, you know, get stuck in at Bank of America Stadium and be able to go back to being the difficult player to break down that we know and love. You mentioned the press availability with uh, uh, not only Brant Bronico, but but also Christian Latanzio. There were two particular comments that I think drew the ire of some people that I think we, we need to dissect. The first one is uh, my question to him where he talks about uh, making sure that we don't completely make wholesale changes based off a 10-minute stretch of the game and not neglect the last three games leading up to Real Salt Lake where Charlotte FC played uh, unbeaten in those three, a win and two draws. Uh, in your opinion, Jess, do you feel like that 10-minute stretch is enough to make Charlotte FC, I don't want to say make wholesale changes, but uh, make the kind of changes that can maybe be more globally and tactically different than the way they had been playing leading up to Real Salt Lake? Uh, I don't think you should change everything, but I think that you also have to be realistic that was it just a bad 10 minutes? I mean, yes, those 10 minutes we conceded three goals was bad, but George Marks also had to make an incredible amount of saves in the first half. So Very true. yes, we went into the halftime break at 1-0, but I think both of us would have said that perhaps that 1-0 was flattering to us because without George Marks, it definitely wouldn't have been a 1-0 mm -hmm. lead at halftime. So I don't think we should be dramatic. I think we should focus on what's been good. Yes, you went unbeaten in three games for a reason. There were some bright sparks. But at the end of the day, after every single game, the, the comments have still been about the fact that we haven't been consistent through a 90. So if you can't find a way to be consistent through a 90 minutes, then you probably do need to change something because that's the key to being a successful team and maybe not a full 90 minutes but at least 75 at least 80 you know you've got to be solid throughout and, and i know that there have been a lot of comments too about you know this team's not playing the right formation 442 things of that nature the, the, the manager's going to play the formation that he feels is going to give them the best chance to win i'm not trying to uh, i'm not trying to take up for for latanzo he doesn't need me to do that he does it on his own so i'm not trying to do that but, but I, I think the, the people who are trying to sit here and say that, oh, we should be doing this, that, or the third, 
I think honestly, there are advantages to to playing a two striker system. There's also disadvantages to being in a two striker system because I think about the fact that you know our midfield, we talked about it earlier, is not necessarily been the strongest. That puts even more vulnerability in a midfield that has been a big, big issue. And do you really trust Bronico and Jones to be there in the midfield all by themselves and, and covering that vast amount of space and maybe have more defensive responsibilities for Vargas and Josviak like that? I don't know if that puts you in the best opportunity. Yeah, it might create more chances the other way with Svitersky possibly supporting Capetti, but I think part of the reason we're playing a 4-3-3 is because of the fact that we need to be disruptive in the midfield. We need to have some quality in the central part of the field, and I think that's part of the reason why you're seeing the formation played the way that we are. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, during preseason, I don't think we did any 4-4-2. No. So if you're not going to work on it in preseason in some capacity, you're probably not planning to use that. You know, a lot of teams, if you're going to plan to have backup formations, you're going to use those formations during your preseason. You're going to tinker with them. You're going to try little things out. And that wasn't something we at least saw in the open door friendly. So if it's not been seen there, I don't think it's really one that's on the on the you know list of formations to try right now. And the other thing that uh, had people somewhat tweaked uh, on Twitter yesterday was uh, the the comment from Lutaldo, and I think the comment was taken out of context personally because uh, the way that it read online from Caleb Adams at the club, he said something to the effect of, you know, we have to be somewhat cognizant of the fact that. Charlotte FC does not have somebody who was a big player during their offseason, not with them, with Westwood, uh, still trying to work back Guzman Carujo and then the loss of Anton Walks, basically trying to uh, feel like they have to compensate for what's not there and that this team needs a little bit of patience, a little bit of time. Well, what I will say is I, I think from Charlotte FC's perspective, there is quality on this team, even without those guys that we just mentioned. And I think it's all about trying to put that quality together. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that they aren't deserved some grace with Bill Tuiloma coming in at the last week, but we're in, we're up to match day eight now. I mean, I think uh, allowing for that chemistry to develop, I think, is obviously a fair point to make. But I think when it comes down to it, Charlotte FC has got to pick an 11 and stick with it because I think part of the reason why we're having these issues is that we aren't seeing the same guys out there uh, game in and game out. So I, I do feel like whether our best midfield is – Bronico Jones, Federski is just play that and leave it there, and, and and then you use your subs. I understand his ability to want to you know make everything happen during the week when it comes to mixing the lineup, but I do feel like this is a scenario right now where we are sacrificing a lot of cohesion because we're still trying to tweak and and pull and try to find who exactly is is the best eleven to put on the field at the beginning of a contest. And I think you see that when it comes to the gameplay in terms of the distribution, in terms of the passing, in terms of being on the same page. I mean, as commentators, how many times are we saying, hey, right idea, but, you know, wasn't quite on the same page or good good, good mindset with that, but the execution wasn't there because they're not on the same page. And at some point, you can't be saying that in game week eight, you know, because you should be on the same page by now. So it's difficult. I will say that I do think Westwood is irreplaceable on this side in terms of I don't think we have another player like Westwood in terms of his distribution and also in terms of his leadership but you've got to find other players that are able to step up and fill your shoes because at the end of the day if you're a team that is so reliant on one or two players what are you going to do if they do get season-ending injuries you know that's just not an effective 
team style to have. And I think that players need to believe in themselves enough that they're able to take on that role. You know, it shouldn't be a negative thing to step into someone else's shoes when they're unavailable and be able to play that way. So I'm hoping we do see more leadership on the field because we were both saying in that Real Salt Lake game when we conceded that first goal, this is where we see how tough we are. This is where we see how we have leaders. This is where we see where we're facing adversity. And unfortunately, you saw us concede two more goals in quick succession, which sort of showed that you were lacking that teammate on the field to tell your team, hey, this is unacceptable. It didn't feel like we had that voice that was really telling the boys, hey, we got to be better than this. Definitely so. And and I mentioned that too this morning with uh, with Mac and Bone, the fact that they don't have that kind of field general type player, someone's gonna who's gonna bark and wolf in somebody's ear like a Christian Fuchs would have. Yes, we we talked a lot about how there might have been a diminished quality in Fuchs's played in the latter half of the season, but they're missing that voice from a player standpoint. Yes, they still have Fuchs as, a, as an assistant coach, but uh, that credibility from a player, that, that's not something Harrison Offal is going to do. For all the great work that Harrison Offal does by leading by example, he's not going to get in a dude's face and yell at him and make sure that he's in the right spot. So I think that is something that, like you said, we're missing, and, and Westwood definitely brought that to the table. Quickly on Colorado, um, they might be down one of their center backs, guy who's a designated player, Andreas Maxu, the Denmark man. Uh, and also from the attacking standpoint, uh, Diego Rubio, Chilean, is somebody who has scored for them this season, but it's kind of been in kind of that between attacking midfield, striker, maybe playing a little bit of false nine too as well, along with Jonathan Lewis. This is a squad that doesn't threaten you, I think, with their players. They threaten you more with style. And as we know, style makes the fight in this league. Colorado have a way of, of earning draws out of games that you wouldn't normally think that they would. Uh, think about the game we played there last year. That was a game where Charlotte FC had a lot of appearances in the team's attacking third, but they were able to survive and play well, including uh, that chance that Mackenzie Gaines and Carol Svidersky had at the end of the match last year, where if Mackenzie makes the right pass to Carol, that game is 1-0 and it goes the other way. But uh, forcing uh, an opposition into mistakes is kind of where their bread and butter is is currently sitting right now, Jess. Yeah, but I also do think there are a few players that can hurt you, if I'm honest, having watched their last game. I think Michael Barrios is extremely dangerous. There's a reason why he's assisted their last four goals other than the one against SKC. So he's a game-changing player, you know, and he's coming off the bench a lot of the time right now. He's played in all seven games, started three of them. When you can bring on a player like that against a tired defence that's able to run at you, he looks very dangerous with the ball at his feet. Uh, I think that that's a player that can potentially hurt you. I do think the loss of the defender, like you mentioned, after that horrific-looking head injury, I doubt he's going to be back after seeing uh, how that went down on the field. They are going to be missing some structure defensively. But I do think they have a little bit of flair. But most importantly, like you said, well, they're just very difficult to beat. You know, a team that's kept three clean sheets, it's not a bad stat to have over your first seven games. So I think that... They're going to force some difficulties for Charlotte FC. The one thing that's given me solace is that they've only created three goals this season. So they're not feeling too hot in front of goal. But the last thing we need to do is touch on fate and give them their shooting boots uh, on Saturday. Because it seems like that was what happened against Real Salt Lake.
That's definitely true. And you mentioned their goalkeeper, William Yarbrough, who uh, just after his last clean sheet uh, tied the overall team lead in Rapids team history with clean sheets. Uh, Matt Pickens holds the all-time lead or held the all-time lead, uh, now does so alongside Yarbrough. His next clean sheet would be his 30th with Colorado and give him the all-time lead in a franchise that's been around a little bit. So uh, he's definitely done well in between the woodwork. We will be on the air Saturday, 7 o'clock for a 7.39 kick time at Bank of America Stadium. We look forward to seeing you all out there. It is also free on Apple TV uh, this weekend, so if you're not making it out to the stadium, you can not only watch it on Apple TV for free, but also use the languages feature. I posted something on my Twitter on uh, Thursday that delineates how you get to that languages button, and you hit that, hit home radio, and you can hear our voices uh, underneath the pretty pictures. Jess, I'll uh, see you on Saturday, and hopefully we're talking about three points here at the beginning part of next week. Keeping everything crossed, Willie P. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys on the broadcast and also always on Crown Corner.